And welcome to AFL Rewind, a look back at all things arena football. Sponsored by Phenom Elite. I'm your host, Tim Capper. Well, first we want to thank everybody who's listened to all of our past episodes and given us your feedback. We love hear, love hear everything, whether it be positive, negative. We just want to make sure that we uh, improve the podcast enough that you will listen from beginning to end for these stories, which are a very integral part of Arena Football League history, whether they be players, executives, etc. Speaking of listening to beginning to end, this is one of those episodes. It's a real gem. Uh, it is a, a gentleman who started off just as a head coach, but he went ahead and he, he went on to become the Arena Football League's vice president of football operations. And so we get to hear a, a lot more inside stories that we were hoping to bring to you. So without further ado, let's listen and have a chat with Jerry Trice. And this episode of the podcast, is we have somebody with us who, um, it's not like some, some of the other episodes where it is, you know, it is a player to a coach. This one's a little bit different. Uh, online with us now is a gentleman who started off as a, a coach in the Arena Football League, but then also graduated to become the VP of Football Operations of the Arena Football League. On the line with us is Jerry Trice. Hey, Jerry, thanks for joining us. Tim, good to be here. Well, I, I know that you started off in 89 as an assistant coach with the Detroit Drive, but I think the first question that I have to ask you is, before we get into your, your full history of the league itself, is um, how did you get involved in the Arena Football League, specifically in 1989? Did somebody mention it to you did had you had some experience prior to to being told about the arena football league or do you happen to know somebody who who was uh involved in the arena football league well it was actually tim markham actually called me to see if i would uh help him in in the arena league in 89 since it was the year of the traveling road show where we played at a lot of different places and nobody actually owned an individual team even though we played as the detroit drive and did play in detroit Tim and I coached together in high school at San Antonio MacArthur. We coached together in junior college at Ranger Junior College, or won a national championship. And and uh, then uh, I had actually retired from coaching. Was living in San Antonio, and got a call, and he said, "Oh, this I need I need some help. Need somebody knows what they're doing, and uh, come help me." So we loaded up and. Started out in St. Joe, Indiana, at a uh, was actually a camp where we uh, had players, and we ended up at the end of the camp drafting players for the teams for that year. Uh, you people like Babe Barilli was there, mm-hmm. Joe Herring. Uh, uh, there was a you know quite a quite a group of people. Mike Hornsey was there as an assistant. Uh, a lot of the different people that started that stayed with the league a long time, was there in 89. Of course, 88 was the first year, and Coach Markham won that when he was in Denver. Um, did it take some prying for you to come, or was it just a matter of, because, I mean, you should, I don't know if you had heard about arena football before Coach t- had had told you about yeah, it? Or? Yeah, I actually, I actually watched uh, watched the first game uh, and uh, watched uh, Denver because of Tim. I uh 
watched and and it was it was really good one of one of the comments that he made early on and they didn't like for him to make it but they asked somebody asked him you know what's it like he said it's somewhere between a tractor pull and ask page <laughs> so that was that was his comment and and then of course the uh, other people didn't think that was a real good idea for him to compare it like that, but he liked to use those uh, tongue-in-cheek comments. I kind of like that, though. I've never, I've never, I've never heard. I've learned. I heard how Lee Corso used to call the game on the broadcast when it was like a football on a postage stamp. But I like that uh, Tim Arkham's a little bit better. That's 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 actually pretty interesting. Yeah, Lee actually called that that first game that I watched uh, with uh, Tim in Denver. Oh, okay, all right. Now, in 1990, uh, Jerry, for you actually went into the expansion um, uh, uh, Albany Firebirds. What, why did you? Why? Did, what prompted you to leave uh, Detroit and, and go coaching? Well, Albany? actually, we we were in Detroit '89 uh, uh, and '90. I believe it was a '91 season when I went to Albany. Okay, and it was, was Rick Buffington in Albany. Yes, and. Uh, well, we had we had played uh, them previously, and Rick, I knew who Rick was, and he knew who I was, and so uh, Rick wanted me to come and kind of and help him. Tim had gone to the uh, USFL at that time and yes. wasn't in Detroit. That's when Perry Moss came to Detroit. Okay, and Perry was there one year, and they they won the championship then again there, and then I was back in Detroit in '92 with Tim. Yes. So when he came back, okay. so uh, but a lot of a lot of shuffling going on right there. So, I, but but I I uh, it was uh, a new head coach in Detroit, and uh, you know assistant coaches since they liked the game and everything, they still needed a job, and and uh, Rick Buffington was kind enough to bring me to Albany. Um, what was it about those uh, about those Detroit teams? Because obviously through your assistant. Uh, coaching career, you were you basically were in in Detroit most of the time, except for two teams, and we'll get to the other one here in a second. But um, what um, mm-hmm. what uh, what was it about these Detroit Drive teams that were so special, and why was why did they become uh, the first you know uh, you know team that really dominated the Arena Football League? Uh, you know, uh, you still have to give the credit to Tim Markham. Uh, Gary Vito was the uh, general manager. Mike Illich, the owner owner of Little Caesar Pizza, uh, treated him like a very professional group, and he had you know he had uh, dealt with his Red Wings a long time, and uh, was proud of them. Sat in the end zone, watched every game. Matter of fact, they didn't even raise the nets in the end zone in his end zone uh, to catch the balls. He he wanted to see everything going on, so he was a great supporter and owner and. Uh, Tim was a great coach. Gary was a great uh, GM. So the, the, those three guys at the top brought the cream in and, and let them play. Out of the time that, that you're in Detroit, Jerry, was there any game in particular? I mean, obviously you won so many championships as an assistant head coach, but and any of the any games that may have stood out in particular to any of the ones that you had you had coached with Coach Markham? Oh, uh, you know we we've been. Uh, Together a long time and used to winning a long, long time. Every time we worked, worked together, mm-hmm. uh, some of the, the standout games uh, ended up at the end of the 92 season when we weren't supposed to be as good, and we ended up winning the championship in 92. We were uh, sorely deported, dis- disappointed in 91. Jay Gruden uh, and uh, the... Uh, Florida team beat us in Detroit for the championship 
uh, uh, was for the only game we lost. Yeah, see, uh, and it's I, and that that was, if I'm not mistaken, that that broke the the team's streak. I think it was a, a four straight Arena Bowl championships. I mean, it's correct. Does, does, does that game? Out of your uh, assistant coaching career, does that game stand up to the most? Because I know I've spoken with a lot of players and coaches who have said that you know some of the obviously sometimes it will be the games that they didn't win that stand up the most in their minds out of their career. Is was that game breaking the streak? Does that one stand up to your mind the most, or is it, or is it? Just- oh yeah, oh yeah. And, you know, it's it's one of those where you look back and there's there's what you're one play away from a deal and on side kick away from 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 uh, winning the game or or. Uh, Keeping from losing the game or whatever it goes like that, uh, the, you know, it burns on your memory, and especially when you're used to winning a lot of football games, and usually you think, you know, may you may have everybody out personnel and somebody out coached you. This is bad the part of those kind of things. <laughs> yeah. Um, in 1994, because of the, uh, excuse me, uh, yeah, 1994, sorry, 1993, from Detroit, you became. You actually had your only head coaching job ever in the, in the league, and that was with the expansion uh, Dallas Texans. Yeah, the Dallas Texans. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what uh, What made you switch from Detroit to head over to Dallas? So what What ga- Who gave you that well, opportunity? Uh, uh, I was a Texas guy all along, and I think I was promoted maybe through the league office of, of people of choices of people who they they knew and that sort of thing. The owner was from California, and. Uh, of course, it wasn't the same support system that we had in Detroit and that sort of thing. We were pretty, pretty hand to mouth and 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 uh, didn't have the facilities and planning, planning and, and things for success. And and it was a, a pretty disappointing year, even though we made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And we got beat by Detroit in the first game. <laughs> I was just about to say it was pretty fitting too, and and. And not only did you get beat, you got walloped. I mean, you guys, uh, you know. I guarantee you. Yeah, you guys got I, They they kill us. We we had we we lost our our best fullback linebacker pass rusher guy uh, prior to that week, and we only had one fullback, and mm-hmm. and he wasn't a strong player, and so we we were about out of of people and and. And they were a lot better than we were. Um, yeah, so you guys got knocked off. I mean, fifty-one-six. Anybody who remembers the, the, mm-hmm. the, how dominant the Detroit Drive were, that that score alone uh, says it a lot. But um, one thing I had to do ask you, ask you, coach, about that uh, nineteen ninety-three team. Um, you know, it, it wasn't the expansion team that went off to the to the uh, to the Arena Bowl in nineteen ninety, but you still had a pretty good uh, a pretty good. You know, so anybody who knows the Arena Football League knows the names some of the names that you had on your team. Uh, and mm-hmm. the I, we could, I guess we could call him the uh, the original uh, journeyman himself. You had Todd Hamill as your quarterback. I mean, uh, it's, I mean it, the, guy was no, the guy's not a slouch at all. I mean, it's a, he's, uh, he, he seemed to be, um, you know, he seemed to be a, uh, just by looking at his stats here. Yeah, Todd, Todd was a good player. Yeah. And, you know, and, and we lost uh, – of of six of the games we lost were were by uh, less than six points. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's one of those things where you're really close to winning, really close, and and just don't get it done. Yeah. Uh, and we, we had we had Gary Compton. He's been a long time player in the league. Yep. Was great. Yeah. Uh, we had the uh, the Rashling brothers that were were from 
University of Texas that were the, the good good player. We we had good good players. We weren't just completely out. Uh, 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 Hamill's backup at the end of the year was James Guidry, who was end up being a, a great arena player and got hurt in and uh, later in Newton later years and was end up being uh, head of the Players Association when they had. Uh, the union part. Yep, that's true. And he also had a, a, a somebody who became, I can't remember what his nickname was, but he also had a great kick returner in Tyrone Thurman also, who was, I mean, a, for a guy who was 5'3". I have to ask you, Coach, was he actually 5'3", or was that actually being being generous? Because he, he was a small man. but well, he, 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 he was about 5'3", but most of the guys he had to stand beside made him look made him look a lot smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Tyrone was a, was a, a, a great, a great uh, kick returner and, and a pretty good receiver. He wasn't a very big target, but he, he could, and he was fast and real shifty. Yeah. He, uh, was, he was a good player, too. Uh, in 1994, uh, I guess you decided to go ahead and make a, a quick change, and and you went. Uh, you became an assistant with the Fort Worth Cavalry, as you said. You're, you're a Texas guy. Um, what? Uh... No, actually, actually, I didn't. Oh no. <laughs> uh, no, no. Mike Trigg went to, and see the, the the Dallas team basically folded. Didn't uh, didn't continue to play. Okay. Mike Trigg went with the Fort Worth. I, I went with as a, the assistant coach with uh, Jimmy Dunn and with the Miami Hooters '94. Oh, okay. So I was with okay. I was with the Miami Hooters in '94 with Jimmy Dunn. Okay, okay. Well, you know what? There, there just there was one one of my cracks in my uh, in my research there, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So- the, the 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 players, most of the players from the Dallas team went to the Fort Worth team. And okay. stayed, you know, as a group. There we go. Yeah, with Mike. Mike was my my offensive coordinator in Dallas too. Okay. Okay. So you and then Pat Thomas, who used to be the, uh, it was a Texas A and M graduate, was my, my defensive back coach, and he was uh, had been at uh, with the Houston Oilers the, the the year before he came and and helped us. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's with the Hooters. I mean, you're, you're five and seven. First thing I have to ask, because I've asked I've asked many other uh, other you know executives and players this too. Uh, what, did it really matter that your team was named the Hooters? <laughs> no, except except that was the ownership group, and that was who 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 paid the bills, and then who promoted. And they did a good job of, of taking care of the players and stuff, and it was a good team. That that's a that's a one of the groups that ended up in a three way tie for the last playoff spot. Mm-hmm. And under NFL rules, which I had to explain later, I didn't like them at the time. We had beaten both of the teams we were tied with, but under the overall way they decide that, we were left out in the cold, and the other two teams got to play. So we we did not get in in the playoffs, but we did. We had you know Jim Jensen was a quarterback. He later was a coach in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know we had uh, Dupree who was with the, with the Dolphins for a long yeah, time. Yeah, Mark Duper. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah Duper, Duper, Super Duper. Yeah. Uh, he was a little older and a little heavier and a little slower than he used to be, but he was he was there. Um, for, for those who uh, who didn't know, because I didn't I didn't find this part that you're mentioning at that time, you know, because when as you said, people will look at how there are different tiebreakers for the playoffs and stuff like that. If you're, mm-hmm. how was it basic? You guys didn't make the playoffs. I mean, usually you think it's either head to head or versus other opponents or got what through. what it, it, it is what what. And who all you have, they put it in, it's who all you play, it's a regular NFL 
playoff breaking and and it it it, it comes out that way. It's just an okay. ugly situation, but it's not the it and it is the right way to do it right. when you look at it overall. But unless you're on that one team that didn't like it, didn't 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 get in, then you don't particularly like that situation. Okay. Oh, you so you guys are knocked but off. We had, we had we had to use it later and, and cost a, a Memphis team one time for not getting in the playoffs for the same okay same, very same thing. So yeah, three, three, three. I have. I will admit to seeing three team tiebreakers can be a little disheartening too, especially when you know that you've played yeah. so well against somebody. So, yeah. um, nineteen ninety five, you decided to uh, hang up your coaching career, so to speak, and and you became the Arena Football League's director of football operations. Uh, Jerry, how did that come about? Well, I I was uh, familiar with the. Uh, uh, Jerry Kerr, Jim Foster, everybody. We had, you know, had to, gone through a, a lot of different times and they had spent a lot of time together with people and, and they knew. And I was uh, I was actually uh, at uh, East Texas State mm-hmm. uh, uh, as an assistant coach and actually working on a doctorate degree, but that, uh, that never did prove, prove out. So I decided it was better to go do the football operations and continue trying to coach my way through a doctorate degree. So, uh, it was, it was, uh, uh, called through, uh, Jim Foster and, uh, Bill Niro, Jerry Kurz. And, uh, they were the ones that thought I could do the job and, and knew I was fair. Uh, one of the, you know, only, only issue was my association with Tim Markham. Sometimes they, they, we didn't know if I was could be unbiased all the time. So. Right, right. But uh, they found out that I could. So you had no you had no issues to go ahead and, and getting out of coaching just because as you said you're working on an, on on something else in school too. So you had no issues. No, in- no, no. Actually, actually, I I it it wasn't a a, a real issue. It's something that I wanted to do that that was different mm-hmm. because of the you know it's uh, the mobility and the you. More than a real, you know, you, you had to leave home to coach arena football somewhere, and and you couldn't have some singular home, you know, with your kids and stuff like that. Right. Um. So did you? Uh, did you? Uh, where did you make your home at that time when you were the director of player personnel? Because you know the league has been had different headquarters. Okay. Different- the the first three years was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Okay. Uh, started January of ninety five. Mm-hmm. And uh, Fort Lauderdale was a, a beautiful place to work, uh, a little harder to fly out of than some. And then in 98, they moved to Chicago. I think I left skid marks all the way to Chicago from Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> I did I did learn that if I was going to live under a bridge, it was going to be in Fort Lauderdale and not Chicago. <laughs> and, of course, it, obviously during the, during the winter months, you're like, well, why do I have to deal with the winter when I was in Fort Lauderdale and I can deal with the sun all the time, right? Uh, well, but uh, I, I could handle could handle the air conditioning part more than uh, eight months of bad weather sometimes <laughs> yeah. in Chicago. But I, I love Chicago, and and I, I in Chicago I lived a lot closer to work than I did in, in Fort Lauderdale. And I moved to Chicago. I just walked in a small circle till I found a place to live, about a block and a half from the office. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, um, one thing I Marina want... City, the two corn cobs right downtown. Oh no, okay. 
Uh, one thing I do want to do, just real quickly, I want to go back because I know we are, oh, we're already talking about your, uh, your 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 new job as the director of football operations. Um, I read something and I saw something, Jerry, where um, possibly in 1993 or 94, um, it was announced that for the first time there was going to be a a video game for the Arena Football League made through Atari, one of Atari's companies. And Uh is, is it true that I read that you had a hand somewhat in the actual design of the game itself? No, I actually... I actually drew up all the plays and sent them to them. Actually, the the, the formations and the actions and what you called a play and or what you could call a play and lots of drawings of lots of uh, arena football plays. And of course, I I had a little experience with uh, with uh, being with uh, six years of coaching. Had had uh, had some playbooks to um, to help me out too. Okay. And so it, it, yeah, we had we had a part in in part of that okay uh, for, for those who don't know because everybody will know about kurt warner's arena football or the one that came out the arena football road to glory uh through ea sports um it was a, a video game deal that the league made with uh, v real interactive uh and atari jaguar at the time um it was a game that it was not uh it was never finalized uh there are some still some prototypes or some unfinished games that are currently available anywhere on the web that you can actually try and play the game. Um, when you were asked to do this originally, Jerry, I mean, uh, was it obviously computer games back that time, you know, 95, 90, 94, 95, it, it's, it's obviously not, it's not what it is today. Um, when, yeah. how are you, how are you approached to, and, uh, and asked to, to, uh, I guess, be on, basically, the, on the basically team? it was more of, of, uh, a way of promoting arena football and kind of considered it a, a part of my job to help with a uh, football. There was no pay involved in it, the only time and effort and that sort of thing because we needed, we had gone so many years in trying to prove that arena football was real, was professional, and was football. Right. That That we wanted to do anything we could do as a promotion and uh, you know, it it was part of our job. We we, we looked at it at the time. Okay. At the, you know, at the time we had we had uh, we had one attorney, we had one commissioner, we had one uh, director of football operations, and uh, one media director. Right. And that that was the crowd, other than than uh, a couple of secretaries. And so uh, we ended up with a few more than that at the end. Okay. Okay. Uh, what did you enjoy? Do you enjoy doing the the video game thing? I mean, or was it uh, you know just something? As you said, it was just a uh, probably no, the, the best way. It, to it, what it really was was just a. Uh, I know you know you were reviewing a lot of stuff. You got to see a lot of things that you had done and seen in the past or mm-hmm. drawn up in the past mm-hmm. and drawn because you know in in the same situation when you scouted. And looked at the, you did you drew up every play that the other team ran on on the on the for your scout cards to run in your practices against right. you. Right. So it w- was not unusual for you to have, you know, uh, uh, nearly every play that had ever been run in arena football, and and just to be able to put them on a piece of paper where someone could understand and or transpose them into some sort of an action. Okay. 
did they did they ever give you a copy of the game even though it didn't come out or is that one thing they you never, no no <laughs> no as a matter of fact, they they didn't but they didn't ask me to do anything else so I guess that's where I didn't I didn't contact them much <laughs> okay I'm curious to know because I, I know I know a friend of mine who uh, a colleague of mine who owns the game and I am wondering if your name is mm-hmm. actually listed I'll have, to, I'll have to ask and find out if your if your name is listed in the in the credits for the game itself at least the, the game that currently exists right now so <laughs> probably not yeah. um I'm, I'm, I try to stay low profile. That way, nobody bothers. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's one of the Easter eggs that they have hidden in there, Jerry. You never know. Um, <laughs> so, for for those who who I mean, they've heard the the, the term before of of director of player. Uh, sorry, yeah, the director of football operations. If you were to tell somebody who's never heard uh, of the of the of the uh, position before, what would be the best definition that you could give to somebody to tell them what the director of football operations does? My quick answer when somebody asked me, I'm just, I was in charge of everything that could go wrong. <laughs> uh, officials, you know, we were the officials, and then at the end of the, the end of our era, there the uh, NFL helped us supervise officials. At one time, forty-one of forty-five officials, arena officials, forty-five new NFL officials, mm-hmm. forty-one of them were arena guys. Because they were close to the crowd, they were loud, they were picked and 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 helped uh, the NFL deal helped us choose them. Carl Paganelli did a great mm-hmm. job for years, and a lot of those guys, you know, continued on. And uh, of course, three of the Paganellis, which were arena guys to start with, were were are all still NFL officials. Yeah, and uh, I was in charge of player movement contracts. Uh, players' actions, coaches' actions, game systems, uh, did all of, uh, the thing on contracts and movements and uh, actually almost acted as the Players Association because they didn't have one. Okay. So if someone wasn't being treated right, uh, then then if there was an action that I needed to do or someone that I needed to talk to, it was, it was, uh, you know, trying to keep all the balls in there and not let any of them hit the ground. And, uh, it, uh, it was, it was challenging, uh, being in charge of officiating, you get a lot of phone calls and you get, uh, a lot of famous people talking to you. So, uh, it's, uh, it was, uh, pretty interesting, but, uh, we did, we, we had a rules and competition committee and we had, uh, Great people with with input on it. At the end, we had uh, rules and competition. Had Ron Jaworski, had John Elway, had Mickey Loomis from the from the Saints. Uh, we we just had uh, a a ton of football knowledge in tweaking the rules every year, which we did every year. And the officials, we had I ended up with four supervisors who did a did a great job, and those guys. Worked our tails off. Nobody knew it, but we graded every play of every official, and that's how they got their playoff system uh, games. Because each, uh, and we had a weekly phone call with the, the referees of each group to talk about how the games went, what to look for, what to be ready for. Uh, if this happened, we missed this, we missed that, all that kind of stuff. So it, it was a the officiating was probably took more of the time. Uh, of course, uh, at early part of the year, the contracts and the movement was was uh, an, an 
to, to make sure all that was done right. I will admit, and also monitor, monitoring to make sure nobody was cheating. That was a, a, another issue. Yeah, uh, I will admit I, I was lucky enough to to meet and to know Carl Pagnelli before he passed. He was a uh, he was one heck of a gentleman, and it it sounds like, as he said, from what you're you're mentioning and everything like that, that um, y- you had you had your hands in everything, and I'm sure that it, it, you had your hands in a lot. I mean, it's how were you able to? How are you able to keep your sanity by by doing all the stuff that you were doing, Jerry? Oh well, you just you sit there and it comes up and you take you take care of the take care of the issue. Yeah, Carl was was an amazing amazing gentleman, a great rules guy, and, and he is was actually uh, you know an original uh, referee in 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 the arena game too. So he he was a guy that couldn't be replaced. Actually. Ended up at the end being back in charge of the AF2 guys at the at the, uh, when AF2 was still playing. Okay. I, I will admit, in, in, was out. in the research that I did for you, and I thought it was funny, is whenever I type put in, uh, I put in your search just by your name, especially when you were the uh, director of football ops. It, it always your name always seemed to come up when there was an issue. It's like. It's like you know this this or this happened and a uh, league spokesperson Jerry Tri- <laughs> Jerry Trice yeah. said this this I got to do this I got to look at this he said he'll do this it it seemed in the early days and and and, and am I right when I say this in the early days of the league it seemed to be that you were I don't want to say the mouthpiece but you were the person that really that, well I find everybody yeah I, my name was on all the fines on all of the issues yeah. but now <laughs> uh, uh, every every player issue now one of the one of the things that it's kind of a mark of pride from doing that job our at one time the officials association uh had a suit against the league and I was never dispo- deposed by the official. Mm-hmm. I was, they thought I was one of them, which was good. And then the players association, I was never disposed when the players association, uh, sued the league mm-hmm. because the players didn't want me to have to, 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 they felt like I was on their side too. So I guess I fooled somebody. In <laughs> um, I just tried to be fair. That was the whole, whole deal. And all of the, uh, different. A lot of people helped. It, it wasn't me. It, there, there was a lot of people that that uh, took care of business and knew what to do. And and you know we played a lot of uh, uh, international games too. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of camps um, in Hawaii and Australia. Played in Spain, Barcelona, and France. And and uh, we we did a, a a lot of things that was really enjoyable. Got got to see a lot of country. And, and that, exactly, I wanted to ask you about the the, the exhibition games too. But uh, um, first thing I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, in your in your tenure as the uh, director of football ops, you you had uh, to deal with two commissioners, uh, when, you know, Jim Drucker mm-hmm. in '96, and then David Baker yeah. from from '97 on until the league uh, folded the first time yeah. in 2008. Um, for you mm-hmm. being the director of football ops, how was the transition for you when it came going from Drucker to Commissioner Baker? It was different. Jim was there ninety uh, five and ninety six, right. and he was uh, he was uh, not uh, he wasn't as uh, outgoing as uh, Commissioner Baker was, okay. uh, and he was uh, you know more of a 
a quieter business type dealt more with the ownership and stuff like that. When David Baker came in, he was, it was a whole new show. He's a promoter. He's a politician. He is a salesman. Uh, he is a thing that grew our game. Uh, if had, had he stayed, we'd probably still be playing if he was, if he was there because he was a board. You can tell what he's done with a, a national football hall of fame. Yes. Yeah. And so, so he is a promoter, and he was the man for the job at the time. Okay. And uh, just just did a miraculous job with developing things, adding things. Uh, grew both the league office and the game. We're almost we kind of almost got to that level when we had fifteen teams of being the the fifth major sport. Yeah. And it was definitely. The coaches all saw arena football as a legitimate professional uh, deal rather than escapades and tractor pull. <laughs> nice way to tie it back to Coach Markham. <laughs> uh-huh, right. Um, I wanted to ask you, because as I said before, you, your name showed up so many times when it came up to issues that happened to arise during a game, whether it was a play that uh, that that was the outcome that that caused an outcome of a game, or, or a player did this or that or the other. Do you have a, a story you could tell us on on one particular thing that you were asked to decide upon? You may your name may have not ended up in the in the newspaper, but is there a story that you can tell us on on something that? whether it be something that it was interesting to you or just something so far-fetched you, you can't believe that you were actually asked to make a decision on? Well, the the whole issues like that, that you're never going to change the outcome of a game right. because of, of, of one situation because there's so many deafening, deafening factors. We had, uh, we had an issue where uh, we'll take Tim Markham. Who was is really was one of one of my great friends and uh, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had he had a game where uh, Doug Plank, who was a uh, uh, tough uh, Chicago Bear guy, on the end of the game he rushed both linebackers, which was illegal, and the linebacker made the quarterback throw a. Uh, uh, erratic pass that was intercepted. Okay. And, uh, coach Markham wanted me to fire the official who missed the call for the rest of the year. He didn't want me to ever bring him back. Now I said, here's the deal. If I do that, how about your quarterback that threw three interceptions, not counting the one that was by the linebacker scary. Will you not bring him back for the year? And that ended ended the conversation. <laughs> so he 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 you know you, you want to blame it on that one thing, but right. there's so many things that go on during a game. But Tim Tim was quite a guy. One of one of the better stories that that I you know told to his kids and even told it at at, at his uh, funeral. That one one. Uh, the day he was calling about some uh, officiating deal, and and I said, Tim, boy, you you are such a bad guy. So you're going to have to rent pallbearers. <laughs> and he 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 kind of he he 
didn't know what to say for sure. Anyway, we kept talking. And two weeks later, I'm in Tampa, and I walk out on the field, and he hands me a sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. Got six names on it, and mine ain't on it. <laughs> <laughs> he got, he he had his pallbearers already picked out, but I wasn't going to be one of them. <laughs> so you sort of got taken out of his will, so to speak. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he, was, he was special, and he was a heck of a coach. He could see everything and remember every play on the field. The entire time, uh, such a such a, a great you know professional coach. Yeah, um, as, as as I mentioned before, I never unfortunately I never had the chance to to meet Coach Markham, and it's uh, it's my loss because all the stories that I've heard about about Coach Markham, they're just you know the good and the bad. They're just you know it shows how passionate a gentleman he was, and it's it's. Yeah. You know, obviously, it was it was a huge loss to you know to the arena football family and to obviously to his family that when he passed away. So it's I'm yeah. I'm, gl- I'm glad we're able to hear stories about Coach Markham, and it's 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 appreciated, Jerry. Um, oh, he had, he had he had a lot of stuff. <laughs> ah, so glad to get out of that dang time travel machine. Where'd you go? I went back to the 80s to grab some of that good, good sports merch from my favorite defunct franchises. I spent my life savings on that machine. You bought a time travel machine to buy sports merchandise. Yeah, gladly. You know you could have gone to 503 Sports, right? The the website? Uh, yeah, no, I didn't think of that at all. Yeah, they sell all sorts of throwback sports merch from leagues like the World Football League, XFL, UFL, and the Arena Football League, several others. Uh, oh. Shoot. Yeah, they sell hats, shirts, even custom jerseys from all sorts of vintage sports teams. Oh, man, I spent, like, a lot of money on that time travel machine. Well, look, listeners of AFL Rewind get 10% off their first order by using the promo code ARENAFAN at checkout. That might help you out. Yeah, it does. Go on over to 503-sports.com and, and get your merch today. Do you know anyone who wants to buy, like, a overpriced time travel machine? No, no, sorry, I, I don't. The Arena Football Hall of Fame has returned, and we want you to become a part of the family. Introducing the Arena Football Hall of Fame Patreon. Whether an all-star or a Hall of Famer, our reasonably priced tiers each have their own exclusive perks. Early access to the AFL Rewind podcast, honorary selection committee member, and much more. Help us build a Hall of Fame we'll all be proud of. Head to patreon.com slash Fame to join um, one of the bigger things that came about when you were the uh, director of uh, football ops, and it actually happened twice where you were in that position, uh, the first thing was in 2000, um, and fan, you know, older fans who have been following the league will know about this. Um, one of the big things was the the AFL versus Guidry lawsuit, and for those who don't remember, as you mentioned before, James Guidry became you know very well known for the players players union and players association. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he got hurt. And it was it, yeah. it, co- it cost his career, could have cost him his life, but he he severely injured his neck. Um, and I, I I don't know. And can you can you because obviously with this this Gidry the Gidry uh, Act, decision actually yeah the Gidry himself it was the uh, players association or the a group, the uh, people, the NFL Players Association stuff that was trying to get a union. Okay. 
basically used James as their poster boy, their okay. poster card. They got a guy, and it, 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 it wasn't James himself. He okay. was taken care of. He was done, uh, you know, taken care of real well in the league, did everything that they could except they used him as a SA poster boy, and, and he ended up with a pretty good job out of the, the deal at the end and had a severe injury. Mm-hmm. And is a he is a great kid. He's still I still in contact with him, and, and he's a real religious kid. And and actually, he uh, uh, we won a Spanish national championship in Barcelona, Spain, in the EFL, and James was my quarterback there. And and that too coached a lot of football, a lot of places. Oh, cool. Okay, that I didn't know about him. Yeah, I've I've met I've met yeah. James quite a and, few times. And and my my secondary coach and def- only American defensive back was Will McClay. Oh boy! Okay, so that, 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 they played in, played in Barcelona for me. Okay, <laughs> and and then James came back and played for me in Dallas. And of course, I had coached uh, Will in Detroit all those times. Okay, now obviously with that, whether he you know with him being the poster boy and the lawsuit itself, but the, with the lawsuit when it was finally uh, settled or decided, it actually was it led to one of the bigger one of the bigger things in arena football league history where it actually. Uh, started allowing uh, it only it led to the to the players association obviously for the very first time and introduced uh, collective uh, different types of collective bargaining agreements that and we'll Correct. we'll talk about that but it also led to if I'm not mistaken it also led to free agency for the first time in the arena football league official free agency in the arena football yeah league. exactly yeah yeah the the contract year and uh, and uh, rights to them yes yeah now uh, being that with and we'll get to the to the other parts in a minute here but um how much more work did that did that make for you um jerry being that well, now that see, there was free had, agency we had, uh, we had uh developed and spread out and they uh when we got uh had grown a bit craig bornemeyer another rest in peace was a a, a great uh uh, arena football guy who grew up with arena football and worked all kinds of stuff. He took over the contract and the management, and then we had uh, we had three in-house lawyers also. Now this is back in Chicago. Now right. our staff is a lot bigger, and Craig handled most of the contracts with the overseeing uh, overseeing uh, with attorneys to help. Okay. Uh, make sure everything was right and everything was written up properly and that sort of thing. And we had, uh, the, we had the office developed and was first one out in Orange County, California. Mm-hmm. And then they moved the, uh, that half of the office to New York. So we had offices in Chicago and New York at the time. And our, our staff was a whole lot bigger. Right. Was it? Was it? So, so we had other people to handle those. I did not have to okay. handle the uh, that part of the contract. I still had all the players' action, coaches' action. Right. Even had to find owners when they did the wrong thing. But uh, <laughs> and uh, coach um, uh, David Baker had a lot more input as far as uh, the the fines and that sort of thing. Because gosh, when we first started, my I was probably my players fine i might have been one of the highest contributors to profit in the in the league (laughs) because you know we had players action we had dress code and you had to go through the film and you had to see who had their socks down who 
had ribbons tied on their their uh, pants and uh, who didn't wear thigh pads and all kinds of stuff that that they would have and they weren't very big fans because right. guys didn't make very much money but uh, uh, we we really tried to make it a, a professional uh, look and follow some of the same guidelines that the NFL had just to, so we didn't look like rickety end players. Okay, what um you brought up something I'm curious to know about because. I've noticed, at least through the history of the Arena Football League, that there has there's been pretty good. I mean, the transparency has been pretty good. It was pretty good. As I would say, it was about fifty fifty about certain things. And obviously, mm-hmm. there are certain things that you you can't or won't say to the public or release to the public and stuff that you will. Um, I just seem that just from my point of view, it just seemed that when it it was a a fine that the league and even if it was something over something major that the league would really not make a, a public spectacle about it um is it because is that that's something that you had decided not to make available to the press or, or and and you just decided to keep it in house or well, it it is one thing if you've got usually a fine involved something that that is a negative issue of some sort and also has some bearing on it right. so we tried not to do things, I uh, didn't want to open forum on discipline and stuff like that. If right. we if we could help it with the public, because uh, it uh, it seems to be to have a negative impact and makes the thing carry on and on rather than go on to something better and new. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Okay. I'll, I'll, that, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Then okay. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. So okay, one of the big things. Uh, obviously, you know, as I said, with the the Gidry situation, it led to the to the Players Association and to free agency, mm-hmm. but also in two thousand, this is one of the four times that the Arena Football League stated that they weren't going to play for one particular reason or another. But in two thousand, was one of the years where the league actually stated that they were going they were not going to play that year due to an issue with the the Players Association and I guess. Uh, not having a contract or not having the, the, the PA wasn't fully signed on yet to a contract. Do you, are you able mm-hmm. to shed some light on, on what led to the decision for the league to say, we're not going to play in, in, in 2000, but then less than, I think it was less than two weeks later, the league said, okay, we are going to play this year. I, I think a, a lot of it had to do, you know, do with the finances of everything and it not being, you know, we're, Salaries were 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 a lot more than they had been in the past, and the operating costs were still the same. And so it was hard for anybody to, unless they had deep pockets, be able to get going again. And so I, I think it was more of a of a negotiating point okay. rather than it was uh, indecision. I think it was a uh, negotiating decisions that were made on the. Yeah, kind of like players deciding whether to hold out or not, right? Or owners trying to hold out or not. So it was two sides of a negotiating period. I think that's what the, the whole issue was. Okay. So was it a was it legitimate or was it an actual fact that the league? Well, I, I think that they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have played had there not been some settlement okay. in between the two. Okay. Okay. Because I think it was that serious. Okay. Um. Also, um, one of the bigger things that you were in, in, involved in in 2003 was Arena Football Down Under. 
where mm-hmm. the, the league decided to go ahead and uh, uh, try to, you know, they'd already been in Europe. Uh, they'd been in Canada, had, had, had a team in Canada already. And now they're going to try to expand a little bit more and go to uh, to Australia and right. to try to introduce the game to Australia. And, and at one point, was it at one point too, Jerry, that, that there was actually an idea of starting a, an Australian Arena Football League? Is that right? They, they tried to. They, they never did get the right promotion for it, but we had camps there. Okay. We had a series of games with Australian teams and uh, American coaches. We had uh, uh, workout camps and coached and and. They had the full game set up. I had a team from New Zealand that came and played, uh, uh, and then and it expanded. We we worked. We moved a lot of that training stuff. One year went to Hawaii, and where we had Japanese, we had uh, all different nationalities, and uh, we we did a draft for the players. Gosh, I coached the team. Jerry Kerr's coached the team. We we we. We got a lot of experience. We did that also in Australia where Jerry and I both, as a matter of fact, in the championship game, Jerry Kerr and I ended up coaching against each other. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and some of the other, other coaches didn't get, get there. So we got, we, well, we'd been around the game long enough that right. we weren't, we weren't too rusty on it, but, but it was a lot of fun, but it, it was an attempt to get it to grow. It was a great game, but they just couldn't get the financial. And then it is the setup of an arena system is time consuming and a lot of labor and fairly expensive for the game system for the first, you know, to, to purchase the game system. If you're going to use a net system right. and all in the roll in floor and a place to put it and a place to store it when you're not playing, it, it is a, the setup is expensive and the teardown is expensive. And that's what is tough on uh, places that play even in basketball arenas and stuff like that. And you don't have a, uh, the team in most cases didn't have a place to practice on a real uh, arena field. You practice out in a baseball field or a, in 89, we would just find a place that didn't have any broken glass on it. Try oh, to practice in 89. We, we, you know, it, it was a traveling road show. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time you'd call a college friend that you had and be able to practice on their field. If you were in a, in a certain city or something like that, but you, we, we never, practice our our field goal kickers would pick out a single telephone post and try to hit it because it was that nine foot goal so hitting that single telephone post they could put it they could put it down the middle oh that's interesting okay so it, it was an interesting uh you know we traveled in vans and stayed at holiday inns in 89 and and uh you, you'd meet, and the other team would be staying at the same place you were staying before y'all uh, would go to the arena and play. Um, what, what was your? What do you remember specifically about? I think about arena football done, and I think the the training camp too was I think called the Pacific Rim training camp, and it was I think also involved with the arena football too at the time. Also, they were involved, if I'm not mistaken, because obviously it was under the arena mm-hmm. football banner, but. What what do you, what's the one thing that you remember the most from from being able to 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 bring the sport uh, uh, to Australia and to New Zealand? I, you know, I think uh, the the fact was that it was a, a smaller venue, uh, a thing that you could play, and you could play it outdoors if you had to set up. We played 
our games in Hawaii outdoors, and and they had a had our game system set up, and the fact that it was football, and as so many people wanted to play the game, mm-hmm. there's plenty of players. There's the just the financial part of it was where what didn't come through. But the, remember the most is how many of the, how the guys enjoyed the game, and 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 we had uh, three or four different nationalities playing on on the, the same teams in in uh, in the, the Pacific Rim stuff and then when when we did the the Australian stuff they were they nearly they're all Aussies and stuff but it was a it was a a new game to them but it was similar to American football and they most of those guys had played in the American football leagues that were in Australia. Right. And obviously with they're just saying with the Pacific Rim stuff, I know that the one of the innovations for the AF2 was able to take advantage of it and they had their own international players that were drafted and then that some did play on some of the some of the AF2 teams. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. They, uh, we when they they moved some of those in actually some of the guys off of my Barcelona team ended up uh Diego Martos and some people played for for some of the American teams. We played in Germany, and they had uh, German players, of, you know, playing on the Detroit Drive and and this sort of thing. So it it was trying to get it go internationally, and then the, you know the China thing didn't do too bad with things. Now it's, we don't, we don't know anything about it, but the, but the, you know they had the the China League going here just just last year. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, uh, one of the biggest changes um, physically to the Arena Football League came up in 2003, and I'm, I'm hoping you can shed some light on this. Um, this was around the time where uh, NBC was going to be coming in. Uh, they were a huge part of the Arena Football League. And the Arena Football League uh, went through a rebrand where they got rid of the, uh, we could say that the the, the net and arena logo was retired, and the uh, what I call the shield logo itself uh, was introduced and was uh, was developed. Um, were you a part a part of that process in in deciding what the what the new look arena football league was going to look like? No, not not really. That that uh, was when we were in Chicago and New York, and plus when you when you get people that are marketing people, which we had never actually truly had hired people in charge of marketing and stuff, then they wanted to to brand it with something that they thought would be new and up and coming. And, and uh, you know, some of us old-timers, like like the old uh, arena uh, shield uh, that we had originally, and yep. uh, but uh, and I think Jerry Kurz and, and Jim Foster and Bill Nairo and I would all agree with that, that, that it was just fine the way it was. But... Uh, it was it was promotion, and that was the purpose of it, and it, and it came from our marketing people, and and uh, many of many of the people liked it, and some of the people, the old timers, I guess it's just like anything, they stuck with their ways. Was it when you first saw what was going to be announced as the as the new, you know, AFL Shield logo? What, what as I said, I know you you were just said now, but what was your initial reaction? Was it one of those? Uh, jaw on the floor type of moment where you had to pick it up or no, like no actually actually i thought well hey y'all are doing your job i got mine to do i'm on two man i don't have time to mess with yours 
<laughs> y'all just sell it and keep this thing running. Yep. Okay. That was that was my my approach to it. I I, I wasn't okay. that, I was that vocally opinionated to it. Okay. Um. Uh, we mentioned it before. Uh, another uh, another milestone, I guess we can say, for the Arena Football League was the was the the newest collective collective bargaining agreement negotiations in two thousand and four. Um, and where uh, the Arena Football League became a, a league where uh, players could actually make some very, very good money leading up to you know up, up to up to two thousand and eight. Uh, what 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 was your thought on on the new collective bargaining agreement for two thousand and four? I mean, because you went from a period. Where the 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 Arena Football League had introduced, you know, a a, a a cap and a salary tax back in 1995, and that at that point it was only two hundred and sixty thousand dollars, and now you're going mm-hmm. to where, you know, your first contract in 2003, you know, it was a one point six million dollar cap. What was what was your I, I, again? I don't know if you had any had any. Uh, if you're involved in it in any way, but I mean, what were, what were your experience when it no, came? No, I, I wasn't actually no. uh, involved in those negotiations. But my my original thought was that if an owner doesn't have deep pockets and we don't get some kind of a deep TV deal moving, uh, they'll start falling by the wayside. And I think that had a lot to do with many of the teams that did not continue. You know, because we've had. We probably had, I don't know, you may know the number. Yep. It was probably over 50 different uh, arena teams at different times, mm-hmm. and some of them stayed longer than others. And then some of the people with uh, deeper pockets to move on. Uh, the Dallas Desperados was mm-hmm. one, of the, one of those in the situation that said, uh, rather put the $2 million in a Papa John's pizza. Well, it, it, it seems funny considering it's it's you know we're talking Jerry Jones. You think we such deep pockets? I mean, it's it's you think that one point six million dollars is only is just a drop of the bucket. Yeah, well, that, for some it, people, you know, so. I think it had to do with the time and the involvement. He wanted the the focus of of that part of the staff on the bigger deal in the new arena that they were in and. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they they had a they had a new big money maker that they could take a time for the that the people were operating with, just like Will McClay was the head coach. Now he's the director of their player personnel. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. You know, he 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 made a good move and and is a, is a super intelligent rice graduate and and that sort of thing. No, he's in the right place. And but I think that that you know just for the the focus of personnel, out of the money probably didn't have anything to do with it with Jerry and him. Okay. Um, also during this time, um, for the very first time, besides celebrity ownership, which I want to ask you about, um, the for the first time in, in in AFL history, there was a neutral side arena bowl. Um, what? I, 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 first, obviously, were you involved when it came to that time in, in deciding that it was going to be a neutral site arena bowl and and uh, what was your what were your thoughts on getting away yeah. what, what some would say getting away from uh, the fans and well, making it more you, that was more a commissioner uh, owners management council decision. Mm-hmm. The fact that you didn't know who was going to host that thing until 
two weeks ahead of time and not be able to sell items, promote items, have the set up, have sponsorships. Uh, the local team had to do it. And always, it wasn't always at a, in most cases it was, but it wasn't always in a strong promotion city. Right. And to be able to get tickets and, and sell tickets and make it an event and a destination that was the whole key to the thing, making right. it, it make it a money maker rather than a, a home game that was uh, nobody was going to benefit from, but maybe the home team. Okay, what was your uh, so, Jerry, what, what were your what were your thoughts on celebrity ownership? Actually, some of the celebrity ownership is probably some of the best that we had. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. John Bon Jovi was was great. I mean. He he was he went he came to meetings he made uh, they were talking about marketing and stuff with him and one of one of the, I loved one of his comments he said hey guys I've sold a lot of t-shirts <laughs> <laughs> and so so uh, he he was you know he was uh, he had great ideas and actually lasted longer than nearly everybody even though he was you know uh, moved it on after a while but he was they they did a great job. Uh, one of the best uh, operations uh, was the New Orleans team. And, uh, you know, Mickey Loomis, uh, even though of his position with, with the Saints, he was on our rules and competition committee, had some of the great input. Uh, uh, John Elway was on the rules and competition committee. Uh, actually, John John and uh, uh, Ron Jaworski probably had as much to do with one of the, one of the more uh, touching deals is not being Iron Man football yep. going to a, a two platoon system, yep. and that probably it probably helped a lot of our players injury wise and stuff like that. And you were able to recruit offensive linemen, which protected the quarterback a little more. It, it wasn't a bad thing. It just uh, took away what really was one of uh, Jim's big big deals in promoting the game to start with. That it was Iron Man football. Okay, I also did. But, but it, it, I think it was probably good for the game and made a better offense and better defense. Well, uh, and we'll go. We might as well go ahead and skip. I'll skip to that, and we'll, we'll skip back because since you since you brought it up, because I was going to ask you about yeah. the, about uh, about the end of Iron Man football. I mean, obviously, you are you know what you were a an AFL. You, I would call you an AFL lifer, but you've been on the on the rules and oh yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I'll- yeah, but I missed one year. That was eighty eight. <laughs> what was your what was your thought on, on the actual changes? I mean, as I said, I mean I'm how much convincing well, were you in favor of the actual change in getting rid of Ironman football? Because a lot of fans still to this day, even though the league no, does, I, does not I was exist. not in favor of it, okay. but I grew to like it after it after I saw the impact on the game. Okay. I, it made our game better and more professional people on the offensive side and on the defensive side. You could get the better pass rusher that didn't have to block, and you got the better protector that didn't have to rush, and that couldn't cover kicks. Okay. So uh, it made the game better, but I did not like it to start with. I liked Ironman football, and I thought, you know, it, there was a lot of strategy in Ironman football in the substitution. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I, a, lot of, a lot of rules. Even to this day, uh, Jerry, some fans will say, will will joke or state that that time of the Arena Football League, it wasn't called the Arena Football League; it was the AFL way. You know, so mm-hmm. 
you yep. know, it was it was the Elway or or the Highway type of thing. So, um, mm-hmm. what um, do you remember? Do you remember? Uh, uh, do you have any memories about the final vote where it was actually decided that they were going to get rid of, get rid of Ironman football, even though it was going to be. I would say pretty controversial well, actually, at the time. Actually, the final vote, what 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 came out uh, was a uh, recommendation that it, that would change that. And it was it it came from uh, that was when we had more NFL people. Uh, you know, we had, we had uh, Georgia, and we had uh, Arthur Blank, and yep. we had uh, uh, Elway, and had Jaworski, and. Uh, Nashville yeah, had a lot of NFL people, Joneses, and everybody else involved. Yeah, and also then that that had a lot to do with it. And see, the the board directors, the owners voted on it. Okay, but it came out of the rules and competition as a choice. Okay, and and so they went. They they thought that it would be better, you know. For their purpose, and it was. But I, th- I and after we played and started playing, I could see an improvement in the game. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, was it um, uh, when it came to that recommendation? I mean, it's uh, how would was it based off of what everybody thought? I mean, what is is there a vote taken? No, there's 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 give and take. The rules and competition committee can be a that's a tricky little deal because it it be, you know, it's it's the opinions of of that group, right? And they take a vote within that group, right? And and then also we had we had officials, our supervisors, set in on rules and comp also because some of those guys sometimes they'd want to do something. All right, now how are you gonna how are we gonna be able to officiate that, or how right. are we gonna be able to call that, or how are we gonna be able to do that, and you know, you got different kind of pass interference stuff, and you got you, uh, any rule or anything that anybody wanted to bring up, we would we would discuss, and they could bring film. We did we we took a whole day to to uh, set up and make recommendations to the board. Uh, were there times? Uh, were there a lot of a lot of people still wanted the Iron Man, uh, but it wasn't as many as wanted the free uh, substitution. Were there at times when you when you left the the meeting that day where uh, you didn't did you take things personally when things didn't go when a, a, a vote or a rule was changed that you didn't want changed? You know, I, I had my likes and dislikes for some of the from of the from of the the voting and and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then if there was a tie vote, uh, I was uh, the head of the committee, so I I did I was able to break tie votes, but. I didn't have to do that very often. Okay. And most of those guys, are, they were all football guys in the room, so they they could talk it out and they could explain things real well. Some good, uh, probably the strongest salesman for it was John Elway. Okay. And he did. He's a good salesman, and he he uh, he he sold some people on the on the idea that it and and I guess in the long haul, I I ended up thinking that he, that we probably made the right move. Okay. Well, I didn't like it at the time. Is there a a story that you would be able to tell us uh, that you that were uh, from the competition committee, rules competition committee, that uh, fans might like to hear? You know, the the inner workings of of a, of a particular meeting or a particular decision that you made that you 
can tell us? <laughs> uh, actually, the, the, there's not very many uh, humorous or stories. Most of it, 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 it was really business-like. Yeah. And there, there was, was, and, and, you know, nobody challenged anybody, anyone. So it, it was so, it was almost boring to be so businesslike and then hear opinions and then people say, okay, or not. Okay. And then they vote on it and, and nobody, there wasn't much badgerment it was very professional. Uh, so I, I don't have any good stories about that. I, I, know, I know a few other ones, but there, there wasn't wasn't many things that took place in the rules and comp that wasn't just strictly, you know, by the book. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, one of the bigger changes, and I think it's one of the uh, one of the better things that the Arena Football League uh, choice that was made by the Rules and Competition Committee was in two thousand eight which was the introduction uh, of instant replay. And instant, and and I'd always, I've said this from day one, Jerry, from when the Arena Football League started this, and call to the, you know, uh, you have Ari Wolf stating, or said Bonner stating, we're now going, you know, it's now call to the booth and to to see the replay, because the Arena Football League at the time was an innovator in becoming, you know, they, it was, it was, uh, it was, transparency at its best you actually got to see the decision and why a decision was made for a for a particular play uh you know unless you talk about the the infamous uh, <laughs> uh philadelphia uh new york dragons game but anyways that's that can be the same year actually <laughs> um but uh, uh, can you explain how the idea of replay was uh was well brought the, up? the the having with the the, the television people yeah and they decided rather than have somebody in the booth or have somebody somewhere that we could show it, we could look over the guy's shoulder and we could hear him get the play and he almost explain it. Mm-hmm. I think Mike Pereira put it best when we get, when we did replay, Yeah, he says, even if we make a bad call, it is a good call corrected and it is not a bad call anymore. Okay. He was he was real promoter of this, and 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 Mike Pereira was a true arena football fan, and an arena f- officials fan. He was really on top of it. Attended all of our meetings, uh, game to game to games. Uh, actually, one of, one of his one of the first guys he promoted to the uh, to the uh, NFL. Was a guy on Tim Markham's sideline that Coach Markham had uh, harassed and done some stuff too, and the guy threw Markham out of the game. <laughs> and I think that got him a job in the NFL. <laughs> Don't think it helped Tim. Tim tried to sneak back out and put on some glasses and hide in the stands so he could see the game, but uh, uh, they ran him off again. I, I, I actually remember hearing that story. I really, I remember hearing that story, Jerry. Actually, <laughs> I really have. Um, yeah. Why was the why was it brought up? Uh, the idea of replay brought up so I don't want to say late, but I mean because it only debuted in the playoffs in two thousand and eight. Why was it not? I don't think we had the television availability from all locations. Okay. So unless we had a, uh, until we had the national television deal and the same thing to be able to, uh, for the same group of people to be able to transfer it to the truck to a TV. Okay. It didn't. It wouldn't happen in all arenas, and it couldn't be an equal playing field. Okay, is is so that we had what? to do it once we had television capability 
and the ESPN people, they well, they were able, or NBC was able to put it, put it, put it on the sideline where where the uh, head referee could see it. And he was in the game, so we like, I like that a lot better than having somebody in the booth. Oh, I agree, so. and it made us, and it made a, a positive thing out of it because again, transparent to trans, you know, this type of replay, uh, transparent replay. If you look today. In some leagues, even in the in, you know the XFL and the AAF, it, yeah, it's it's becoming. They're still not as transparent as the arena league with somebody looking over your shoulder and they, and hearing the guy say, "Hey, this is what he did. This is what I'm looking for. Give me a shot. Is his knee touching down? That's is true. he standing where the ball come out? You know, uh, it gives them another play by play, and then sometimes it 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 helps because that fan probably needed to see that they made the right call that's or true. the wrong call corrected. That's true. And that's, as I said, to me, that was an innovation and it's, it will live on, so to yeah. speak, in some of the other leagues in, in yeah. some what shape or form. Now, since I brought it up and I, I at least have to ask you, cause it did occur that first year. Let's talk, let's talk about that call at the end of the uh, Philadelphia, New York game. <laughs> okay. What, from your point of view first, when you first saw the call, for those who don't remember... Well, explain the situation to everybody, so, yeah. so, I, so I'll know exactly oh, which one God. you're talking about. Uh, and, and trust me, too, by the way, Jerry, anybody who is a New York Dragons fan or a Philadelphia Soul fan, you'll hear, you'll hear two different stories from each of those fans. <laughs> I know. But the way that it was in the playoff game, it was uh, Philadelphia won on, uh, was able to score a last-second touchdown. And the huge question was, was... was the receiver's knee down. That was the whole question on on whether this a touchdown would or would not count. And whichever, if Philadelphia with Philadelphia scoring, they went on to the next round of the playoffs. There was a huge, <laughs> obviously, with it being for the first time that replay did pop up in the playoffs. It was a huge test of what you guys came up with. Mm-hmm. When you first saw the play, because I, I, I'm guess I don't know if you were at the stadium or not when when the no I, I see that's another disadvantage if you're at the stadium you don't always you don't know what the official said or right. something unless you go back and watch the TV copy to see right what was actually seen by the guy that was making the decision yeah right. hey, um what was and I, I I don't remember seeing the play myself okay. I, I I heard about it but I didn't. Uh, see the play i saw it on, on television later and stuff and and you know you have to you have to stand by what the guy that was there could see so right that, that was the whole deal so that, that's not a very good explanation and <laughs> I, I, I long time ago right <laughs> oh yeah yeah now what, yeah. what now what did you and carl have to have conversations about that actual play stuff because obviously i'm sure he got some heat because of it because he was the you know he him and his team were um, you know, yeah. they, they were overseeing yeah, the, the referees we, we and have, stuff like that. After every game and after every, well, after every week, we had a call with all the referees, even ones that didn't have a game. And, and every play that was an issue, we discussed and talked about why we did this, why we did that, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and on, in that deal, they, they believe that, that that the decision was correct. So uh, that, that was one of them deals where you where you're if you if you got a home team and it, right. it's it wasn't as obvious as the New Orleans Saints had. No, no, the, no, it was not. Defensive <laughs> pass interference, anyway. 
Um, is it because because yeah. obviously they they've tweet how many leagues have tweaked when it comes to replay and stuff like that? Is it fair to say, looking back now, that there may have not been a clear camera angle in order to overturn that call? Probably, probably that's that you know that was one of the things that that uh, we didn't have those rules. Yeah. We didn't. We had a decision to be made based on the rule from the book, right? But we didn't have the uh, call on the field stands. To, we we didn't. We never had a you know we could change a thing, but we didn't use the term call on the field stands right, and that sort right. of thing. Uh, that that they use, and we didn't have the the. He made a decision from what he saw. Right. We didn't have the technicality they have that it has to be undisputably uh, that he had to see every exact thing before right. he could change anything. Right. So it, it was one of those deals, and I guess that's what you learn when you're first one to take those baby steps exactly and and fans need to remember too you know this being the first year first time that you know that play uh, that the play uh that replay had been used in the arena football league that things still got tweaked for replay down you know it got tweaked because if i remember correctly you didn't get to hear what the what the at that time for that game you heard what the nbc broadcasters were saying but you actually didn't get to hear what the referee was saying so it's you know, so yeah, usually they went down there with them, and so I don't know. It may have been who was. Uh, it's according to who was. I don't know if it was NBC or ESPN. But uh, later, yeah, they had the voice, and we had him looking over his shoulder at the same screen he was looking at. Mm-hmm. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Um, two thousand eight was a very interesting year. You you were able to bring in these these new changes, and then, well, things kind of fell apart. And, you know, at the Arena Bowl, Commissioner Baker announces that he's stepping down. Then we find out uh, in December that the league is going to go on hiatus. Um, And then we find out, you know, uh, just leading, well, the league, summarily, it it, it ended. And then, then it was brought back by Jerry Kurz in 2010. But... Mm-hmm. What do you remember the most about hearing that the the AFL that you knew, that you loved, that you'd worked for so hard for for so many years? Was... It was a shock. It was really a shock. Now, I, the, the, nobody was in none of the uh, uh, working group of uh, nobody other than the commissioner. Uh, the attorneys and and the owners were in the in the meeting with mm-hmm. the committee. I think it, it had to do with uh, some of the things that that was wanted that the commissioner wanted to do, and uh, that the majority of the ownership, uh, and a small majority of the ownership, didn't want him to do. And he said that then he was going to if if they wouldn't do that, then then he couldn't go on and. Uh, I think uh, some of the guys with the money put their foot in the ground and said, well, we're not going on with that. So, yeah. uh, And the commissioner is a, a law man, worked his tail off for all those men, grew, grew the product, and then to not be able to go on and do what he thought would help help the league continue to grow, then then he, he stepped down, and that was that that was uh, 
that was the fall of the of the development and stuff. I, it, the commissioner is a great salesman, great politician, mm-hmm. great leader, and uh, oh, even though Jerry did a great job with what he was doing, it still wasn't. It it never was the same again. And he was working with you know less less facilities and. Yeah. Younger kids and a whole bunch of stuff to keep things going. I I, I, I helped. I even lived here in Texas and and did uh, and did AF two uh, officiating and, and all that stuff for until uh, two thousand nine. Okay. Um, where do you remember where you were when you found out that the league was shutting down in twenty oh eight? Uh, I do not remember when I, the, the league was shutting down. I remember I was sitting on a bench right outside that board meeting when the, when the commissioner decided he wasn't going to be there anymore. But I do not remember where I was when they said that uh, the league okay. was not going to play. Were you, uh, being that you were outside of the boardroom when you heard that Commissioner Baker was not coming back, was that a shock to you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a shock to everybody. Uh, almost. Something you couldn't believe that that because he had been a, such a good leader for such a long period of time and and but uh, it I guess it you just hit that deal in the road where you can't go on and uh, some of the people you don't have enough uh, you don't have fifty percent fifty one percent of the support so. right the, um in twenty in two thousand eight when the league shut down Jerry the the, the 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 salary cap at the time was at two point two million dollars, and you had a lot of the of the big name quarterbacks making six figures. You know, the biggest being Tony Graziano. He mm-hmm. was making one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year at that time. Mm-hmm. In, in your opinion, do you think that the pay scale was too high at that time? Because as I said, sure. first year in twenty in two thousand three, you you're at one point six. And four years later, you're at two point two million. That had a lot. That had a, the, the economics had a lot to do with those opinions that, of the owners who didn't continue, and, and really, some of them as in their venue were bound to lose money if they were going to compete, right? Because of the salary, because of the salaries. And the only reason we had lasted so long is they, they didn't play much, pay much, but uh, you had to beat the players. All the players that wanted to play all the time. A lot of them almost would pay for room and board. So you know, uh, and and it, they say they were taking advantage of the players. But when you don't play, then you were really taking advantage of the players. Right. Yeah. And, but they, you, uh, what do you feed that alligator? And until uh, ain't nothing <laughs> left but you. <laughs> Do you do you feel at the time, in your opinion, that six figure salaries were worth it, or do you think it was? Do you think salaries should? Have been- I, I enjoy. I, I'm glad the players got some money. Yeah, but I think that the we probably might have sold the game that it was so big, that it was so strong, that it was doing so well. Mm-hmm that the unions got involved because they believed how great that thing was going to be. Right. And it, it wasn't there yet. Okay. And so we ate up all our building blocks. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, 
I want to go back and ask you a, a few questions too here in a in a couple of minutes here, Jerry. Um, but first, because um, I'll I'll have to I'll have to edit them in. But uh, first thing I just want to say is to you is that uh, I appreciate all that you did for the Arena Football League during your tenure. Uh, I've always said anybody who is a part of the Arena Football League, no matter what type, what position somebody was in, that person is, will always be a part of the Arena Football family. Always be a part of the Arena mm-hmm. Football family. Even if the league does not exist, you'll always be a, a member. Yeah. And, and it's a special club. Um, what what would you remember the most about the about your time in the Arena Football League? I think it's the camaraderie of all of the different people that you met, that you intertwined with, that you uh, respected, that you saw their work, uh, coaches, players. Uh, I still um, got all kinds of Facebook friends and stuff, and they're they're players, they're coaches, they're uh, administrators, they're all different kinds of people that that, uh, – uh, had an influence on your life and that you made the contact with and, and it was, uh, you know, probably 90% good, 10% bad. And right. so you got, you got, uh, you know, 90 out of a hundred and that, that's a lot of good friends and a lot of good associates and that are fondly remembered and not remembered as, uh, your uh, opponents or anything like that. Um, you work with people rather than against people. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, you know everything is appreciated, and, and all the memories that you've brought forth. And I hope everybody, you know, that's why we're doing the historical podcast. And I, I've, I've said that every show. Is that's that great? Uh, we certainly appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, it's, we the the history of the game is 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 something really really special. Yeah, and that that's what we want. We want there are many stories, and we want to make sure that we tell the stories to the fans. And your mm-hmm. your time your time obviously was is is very well appreciated. Um, I do want to go back, and as I said, I'll, I'll add this in later because I wasn't able to ask you this these questions here. Cause okay, because you're you, and you know what you're you are you're a very good storyteller, Jerry. Yeah, it's it was more than just question answer question answer. You're a very good storyteller, so I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> I, I didn't tell any of the real ones. Oh, well, <laughs> as you said, you can't. <laughs> usually, usually not, not with all of the people and, and uh, so many friends involved. In I, inter- no, no, and I, I even so, understand that. I even understand uh, just, that. You know, uh, got to meet a lot of people. I mean, it, it's not every day that you get to coach with and spend time with Babe Barilli. Yeah, Golly. Exactly. Famous for Danny White, John Gregory, Joe Herring. Yep. Mike Daly, Mike Hoensey, all all of all of those uh, those guys. Ron James helped us in Albany when he was at uh, the college there, and before he even got into arena football. Yep, I actually I actually know Coach uh, Coach James quite well. I actually I actually know yeah, him quite well. He, he's a good guy. Actually, uh, what's funny yeah. is that I know I mentioned the Hall of Fame to you before. Coach uh, Coach James is actually on our executive committee. Oh, okay. Yeah, him okay. and uh, said Bonner. Yep, Cedric. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. And uh, and as I mentioned, and uh, Tom Goodhouse. Cedric, Cedric cost me one of those, one of those losses because he he threw a pass to Hunky Cooper 
with three seconds left on the clock to beat us in Dallas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, how how involved were you, as we mentioned, in, in 95? And I, and I remember it making huge news because I remember talking about It's funny. I remember calling into a local radio station to talk about this because at the time, arena football uh, was doing a lot better when it came to uh, to attendance-wise and stuff like that. And then in 95, the league announces a new salary tax. And I think it made big news in USA Today and Sports Illustrated and stuff like that. And you increase the salary cap to two hundred sixty grand. Uh, you being on the, you know, on the, comp- uh, you know, the rules of competition committee at the time. Mm-hmm. Did you? What? Um, what do you remember? Well, see, the rules about- of competition didn't deal with money or finances. They right. only dealt with the rule book itself and okay. the, and the on the field game. The owners did. Uh, and the management, they had a, they had a management committee and and a true owners and owners votes for, for to deal with all the finances and and the legal legal. Team. Ron Capers was basically the legal team back then. Okay, he was the only lawyer in the office. Okay, um, uh, tell me about because uh, I've I've tried to do so much history research on these games and I'm I'm trying to. If you know if Jerry Kurz will uh, will allow me to to interview him about some of his time in the AFL, it would be you know a, a pleasure to talk with him. What tell me about? I'm sure um, he would. Tell me about uh, the the European exhibitions because fans from today really don't know much about the European exhibitions because they started off in '89 and they went on to I think 2006, if I remember correctly. Did you ever get to go? Mm-hmm. Did you ever get? To, to yeah, go? yeah. I, I, I've, I've, I've been to Paris like uh, three or four times. I, uh, Tim and I uh, went two different times, and then uh, in '91, uh, uh, Dallas played Detroit, and Perry Moss was at uh, Detroit, and uh, Ernie Stockner got me to be his line coach for that game in 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 Paris. Mm-hmm. So I worked with Ernie's doctor, and we also Detroit beat us again there. <laughs> so, but at that you know they had Fleester and and uh, of course John Rowe. Uh, they had they had they had players all over the place in in, in Detroit. Uh, Arch Fleester was was their quarterback that year. What do you yeah. what do you remember most about the games in in Europe? Because like I said you went to so many. I mean, the, the, you know, the league went to Barcelona, went to Paris, it went to Frankfurt. Well, just, and, just that that the people watched the game, loved the game, enjoyed the game, associated it completely with American football. It wasn't it, it wasn't just a uh, 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 entertainment thing. It was it was American football in a fast. Uh, uh, enjoyable game to watch and all of the people I loved it. I was actually coaching in Barcelona and went to the game. I did, I did participate with, I did, uh, I did the, uh, uh, stat sheet for them okay. during the game. I did, uh, that wasn't much fun. I, I'd rather watch the game. So, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stat sheeting is no fun, but anyway, that was, a uh, I, I, I was living in Barcelona and coaching there when they, when they came and, and then, uh, we had we went to went to Paris, I believe, three different times. We played in Germany, and those games were were well received. And of course, a, 
a lot of that has to do. Uh, Jerry Curves is a is a good promoter also, mm-hmm. and knows a lot of people, and can can get things organized and get things done. And and he was the wheels behind uh, nearly all of the overseas stuff. Okay, okay, and and has has great you know uh, great detail and stuff, and and was was the one pr- that promoted everything and and got everything done actually. The first game in '89, our halftime entertainment was the uh, Oakland Cheerleaders, and their sponsor was a twenty-something-year-old kid named Mark Davis. Really? <laughs> yeah, he he brought the Oakland Raider Cheerleaders to Paris. Wow! <laughs> when he when he, he was in his twenties. Wow! And you know how old he is now, and what he owns now. So. Yep. What, um, oh, the Las Vegas Raiders, yeah, I guess. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. What do you, um, any game in particular stand up? Because obviously, you know, you went to Spain too. They went to Spain for the exhibition. But any, anything, any particular item that stands out to you the most? By... The, best, the best thing that happened, one of that was the most thrilling thing. And even though it was a small thing, uh, when we, we, of course, Markham was a little bit of a promoter too. Yeah. When uh, in every time we played in Paris, Detroit played George LaFrance. Mm-hmm. When he came out and was introduced, had the tricolor French flag over his head and waving it in the air when he ran out. And uh, the George and they say La France, and uh-huh. then the whole crowd just went <laughs> crazy. And then, so then. The whole crowd was for Detroit all the time when George was on the field. Okay, so they they, they fell into to, to George LaFrance in a in a hurry. I love yeah, it's like and yeah. that was one of the one of the good good things. Uh, gosh, there was really those were those were were, were good times. And then we would take uh, we had little clinics where we would go and meet with uh, some of the. Uh, football programs or teams there and then and, and help with a little coaching and doing different things all over the city so we had it did just promotional thing also um wow I, I i i myself wish i had had the chance I, i've only they they have a game they have the london game jerry on youtube um mm-hmm. the very first game on youtube so that was broadcast. Yeah, that's George got hurt in London, got broke a leg. Oh, did he? Yeah, and had to be flown back home. Oh from, boy! <laughs> separate, separately from from there, from the that's the same trip that we played in Germany. Yeah. Was it tough to play with? Because obviously these are during the off season, so after the Arena Bowl, was it was it tough to to recruit players to come and play or was it like, Hey, you're, I'm going to go overseas. No, they were, they were ready to go. They were ready to go. Most of them, uh, you know, probably out of uh, 21 guys, you probably had five that had real jobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and most of them, uh, could get off and wanted to go. Uh, I think I don't, I don't know that we missed a player on any, any team. Anytime we went really, that was of, of any significance. Okay. Because they they wanted to be a part of it, and and gosh, you could get coaches to say, "I jumped off the Albany team, went just to go with the." Uh, uh, it was kind of an honor to to go with the uh, partner because he was so famous. And and what I found yeah. out in my last conversation with uh, with Clint Dozell, 
I found out that his very first Arena League game was in, ex- in one of the exhibition games in, uh, over in Spain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which to me is mind-boggling to know that a gentleman who has 25 years in, of Arena Football League history, his mm-hmm. first game was an exhibition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I saw, I saw, I saw when Kurt Warner finally became Kurt Warner in Memphis. They played Memphis. Yeah. They never led in the game. Never led in the game. He threw a ball, and it was in the air as the clock ran out to, for a touchdown for uh, Iowa to win. They they never led in the football game. Period. Because the clock could because on zero when the ball was in the air. Right. And and you that's probably, that may have been one of his most uh, confidence building things that he had during his career. He was and and at the time I thought he might be about the third or fourth best quarterback we had in the league. So that, and Clinton was one of the others that I thought might be better than him at the time. But that that just goes to show you in the right place, right time, and the right attitude. And he had it. Yeah, exactly. I also uh, I also found out too that my current head coach here in Montreal for the Alouettes also played uh, in Albany, uh, Kahari mm-hmm. Jones. Okay, yeah. He also played. But did you know that uh, Mike uh, that uh, thing of uh, Patton uh, the. New Orleans coach was arena quarterback. Yes, yeah, yeah, Sean Payton, yes. Yeah, yeah, Sean Payton, and uh, I saw him on TV with Converse today. Uh, uh, Payton was, uh, gosh, there's there's, uh, a lot of them. We like Matt Nagy now. Yeah, Matt Nagy, yeah. You know, all of that. uh, Oh, well, there's just, I'm trying to think of them. there, there's written down some names. Oh, there's I, so I, many out there. I didn't have them all, but there, there's a bunch of them that, that are in the NFL and are just, you know, using that as a stepping stone. And football junkies, that's what they, exactly. what they are. Uh, you know, Rick Buffington was a, was yep. a, quite a promoter and a, and, a, and a good guy. Yep, Coach Buff, yep. And he kind of he kind of got out of the loop and never did get back in for the Arena League. But, he you know, he was he was a good coach and and – did a lot for the game. So one last thing I want to ask you about is uh, with you being on the rules and competition committee, was there ever a time where um, what do you, what do you remember most when it comes to a particular rule that you may have changed in one particular season where you weren't a hundred percent sure about it, but it ended up, being either a positive or a negative after that fact is there is there one particular uh, it's, rule? It's the same one. The same one I was talking about that is probably the the free substitution mm-hmm. because of, of and John Elway was the pusher. He yeah. was the, he was the main leader on it, and it was easier for him. And he was he's a strong he's a salesman too, and uh, was having mostly NFL guys in the room. Right. That had an NFL association, it was easier for it to go over, and I was hanging on to that Iron Man a little bit. But, but uh, the more you think about it, we had less injuries 
free substitution. You don't have somebody out there playing hurt just because you got a, you ain't got nobody else, and you can't substitute for them. Uh, you know, just one of those deals where it made the game better with offensive linemen playing offense and defensive linemen playing defense, and so and you had uh, your same same situation for wide receiver DB. You could get you could have uh, your best wide receivers, and you could have your best DB. So it, it actually the level of play in the in the game itself on the field was so much better. But I was kind of hanging on to the old Iron Man idea, and it's probably the safety of the players and the quality of the game probably overrode all of that Iron Man stuff. Because it's I'm I'm like you. I, I Jim am, Foster still wouldn't agree with me, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm like you. I am I am an AFL purist. I you know I, I liked mm-hmm. the free I liked the uh, the Iron Man rules because I thought it made the game interesting, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's you know it. Th- uh, you know things change. You know people. You, you go and you look. People go look at the very first game for for the Arena Football League, and then you look at uh, even ten years later. You know somebody would say to you, "Well, women. Well, where are the sidelines?" And I'm, I'm like, "Well, mm-hmm. that was a change to the game." Yeah, the wall. The wall being live and and I voted. They voted to move at the, the wall to be live. Really did change a lot of stuff, you know. Yeah. Where the wall was was out of bounds, and rather than a than a line, but the and that was a that put a real uh, push on officials too to make sure that somebody. I mean, if they didn't tackle a guy and he they rolled along, I had a, a big argument with Ron Jaworski, and he's one of the ones that helped make that rule change. Mm-hmm. He had a receiver catch a ball. He 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 was against the wall and rolled on the wall. They touched him while he was on the wall, but they didn't knock him up against the wall. So he's still live running. <laughs> and Ron didn't like that like that call, but he after I explained uh, that. He helped us make that rule. He he understood. Is there was there any rule that you that you may have made that you wish you hadn't done? Because there's one was the tin, what do they call it? Uh, you know, in later years they started where if you did offside. No, I don't think you know it wasn't during your time where you know your offsides more than twice in your defensive player you get ejected for the you know for the first half yeah. or or whatever. But yeah, that 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 kind of. Cleaned up a lot of stuff. I, that that wasn't that wasn't too bad. Now I I worried originally mm-hmm. about the change of the you know we used to have that uh, no outside rush on on uh, on uh, the uh, blocking the extra point. Okay, yeah. And until when we went with those changed to a four man line, right? And and it all had to be head up and that sort of thing. Nobody over center. So uh, I thought they I thought they had blocked. Every other kick, and they hardly blocked any. You know, that's true. So that was that was one that I thought was would would be a failure and change in a hurry. After first, you know, first few games, they'll block so many, they'll change that rule back, and they didn't because it it didn't affect the game much at all. Uh, were you uh, were you on the competition committee when they changed the, the the what they call the infamous clay rush rule, the kicking rule about about you, the ball has to go off the net, it can't go over the net. Do you remember that one? 
Yeah, 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 exactly. To, to kind of to, to make sure we got more in play stuff. Yeah, okay. in other words, it cost you if it, if it went over. Yeah, it was, it was just a you know, a, add more excitement to the game, get more returns and plays off the net rather than kicking it. You know, a penalty for kicking it over the net. Yeah, they had a lot of a lot of uh, little little rules like that. Uh, you know, where we used to have that. Uh, you know, it used to be a, a penalty for the tight end to declare every time he came. Oh, back. that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. And he had to hold his hand up in the air, and then he got. Then it got where uh, we just the official made the call. You, you could see him put his fist out to the side where the tight end was. And, yep. And, and and so that that took that penalty out of the game, and you know, they still had alignment problems by if. Uh, they lined up wrong. I mean, the wing judges just call that, but uh, it was it was interesting what they what they would would learn. And our officials were a real tight group. They really they hung together, and and overall, you know, graded good did did really well. I mean, there's you, know, you get you get screw ups in 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 any kind of game, even no matter. How good you are, how what you are called, and in arena football is harder to call than, than the big game. And you got five guys instead of seven calling it. Yep. And so, and then I think in, a, near near in years later, you expanded it. They, I think the league expanded it by one extra. I think if I remember correctly, one extra referee on the field. I'm trying to remember. They, they, they think they may have put another lineman or something. I don't yeah. remember. That was after I was out of it there did you have a a, a a hand in the modification of the penalties the pen, how the penalty yardage because remember you know first yes. yeah that that was a part of the rules and competition in other words is it too much penalty is, it, is that too costly a 15 yard penalty too costly for that uh, yeah that that was a part of it and then every rule we adjusted we had to get it passed through the board directors okay because I, you know, they we we made recommendations based on our vote and put out a list and they studied the list and got it to the coaches. The coaches would tell their owners which one they wanted and didn't want. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's how the thing was would would finalize. Okay. Um, and then we'd have to go back and rewrite the whole darn rule book. It's, it's funny you asked that. I was going to ask you one last thing. It's it's when it came to the rule book in. Years in later years, you know, the league being a media member as I was, you know, and being a part of Arena Fan, we wanted to be able to promote, you know, the rules or or if there was a question from the fans, we'd want to be able to have a, a peek at the rule book itself. Mm-hmm. We we finally were able to get access uh, to the rule book. I think it was the last ten years or ten eleven years. Yeah, we they finally finally had them. Published where they could be enough of them to sell or give away or whatever they whatever they whatever they did with it them and the, actually yeah they were all digital yeah there was, it was digital so but. and and we had I I even had to testify in a lawsuit against the uh, one of the knockoff teams that had used our rule book oh really and 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 we had a, a lawsuit against them and and. A lot of my damn typos was in there, and my mistake <laughs> that I had that was in our rule book was in their rules, in the same place in their rule books. 
<laughs> wow. Or, or if I'd cut and pasted something and 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 just made a copy of it for our book, it was in their rule book too. <laughs> was were, was oh, the, all kinds of stuff. Was, but, what, but I you know, I had made all the changes to the to the, the rule book before we had and we just we were pretty limited on our computer stuff, right. gosh, in ninety five wasn't much. Yeah, exactly. But were you guys always open to being able, wanting to uh, open to releasing the rule book to the fans or to the media, or was there ever any pushback to that? Well, well, no, I, I, I think the fact was there was a cost involved in printing the things, yeah, and then it was a, it was more of a of a logistics and a financial deal than okay. it was caring what the book what the what the rules were, right? And the fact that. Uh, I guess I, I I think one of our old officials is the one that gave that other league. He he was the head of officials for that league. One of our old officials. Okay. He just carried the book with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, those those. And then you know, or the patent the patent ran out. Yeah. When the patent ran out, and then uh, for a long time, it was the game system was the was the issue. Right. The game wasn't patent, but the game system was patent. Right. I know, I know, yeah, and, and what's funny, what's funny, Jerry, is that you know once the pat ran out, not very, no team, no leagues wanted to go with the net system, but as you said before, it, it was expensive to set them up. Yeah, expensive, and then installing it and taking it down every game was was uh, was uh, a deal. Now I saw one arena. I'm trying to remember where it was. But they put a winch on the bottom of those things and winched them up in the ceiling when they weren't using them. Oh, that's cool. We said, of course, it would probably in some of the better ones, arenas. It'd probably screw up lighting and everything else. Oh, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but but uh, still, uh, there was it was a fact that that it was an expense to to use those things and have them built. And uh, originally, there was only one guy that built that thing. The only place you could get one, he built them. To, to or, I mean, he built them specifically, and then we had to make adjustments for curved end zones. And mm-hmm. for a while, they didn't want them to do that. And then they could sell a team if they had curved end zones. It didn't matter. They they could sell them with a. And we've even shrunk fields. Oh yeah, yard yeah. Line. Austin, <laughs> uh, West Palm Beach, West Palm Beach. That that field wasn't eighty yards long. It probably was about seventy five yards long. But the but the lines. And when you shrink the line, you got to shrink the change. <laughs> it's a down marker. Nobody knows it's not ten yards, but it looked like it is. Yeah, I yeah, I heard about stories about the about the Bobcats and same same thing with uh, yeah. uh with the Austin Wranglers. I I'd heard. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was short. Yeah, it was short. Well, we want to thank Jerry for joining us on the podcast uh, this episode. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you can see that these stories, especially from the executives, from the you know from the headquarters of the Arena Football League, you get a little bit more inf- inside information on the inner workings of the league and, and informed the league, it, it, you know, for it informed it from the beginning up until the end uh, in in 2019. Um, but uh, we were very proud to, to bring it to you. Uh, if you have any uh, comments, questions, concerns, or any suggestions on who you'd like to see in future episodes, you can email us at aflrewind at arenafan.com. Also, if you want to listen to any of the archives for the uh, AFL Rewind podcast, uh, you can do so by heading over to SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, 
Google Play Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and don't forget, we also have a version of the audio podcast itself up on YouTube. Uh, We hope that you join us here next time on the podcast as we bring you more stories from the Arena Football League itself. So for everybody here at AFL Rewind, I'm Tim Capper. Watch the rebound off the net.